0: I know what you're thinking. He better be short today. It's 20 to 12. I've got a roast in the oven. I've got reservations at the restaurant. This preacher better be silent. I'll pray for you. We're in Mark chapter 4, and... um, you know, a familiar passage, one that I don't often choose to to preach on on Easter. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, this morning, that life has not necessarily turned out the way you planned it. Now, I know that's a common theme that I've spoken about for the last uh, year or so that I've been here, but it's a it's a theme that continues to resonate. That life rarely, rarely ends up exactly. As you planned it. I mean, as a child, you have these grandiose ideas about what you want to do in your life. You want to be great. And, you know, when you're in junior high, middle school and high school, you've got these plans and you, you plan to play sports. I don't, I've never met a, a middle schooler that was playing sports that did not say he was going to hear she was going to play professionally. Uh, but the reality is that that doesn't happen all the time. In fact, it rarely happens. Uh, And so you have to have a backup plan and life doesn't always end up being like you thought it would be. You don't get to be the MVP all the time. In fact, sometimes you don't even make the team. And that can be devastating. It can be devastating when you put all of your eggs, so to speak, in one basket. When you put all your emphasis and all your time and all your training and all your work and all your energy and all your passion into accomplishing a set amount of things. And when those things don't happen, your life is less fulfilled and you're not as happy and you're discontented and you're miserable. And it's in those moments sometimes where there's a storm that comes up on the horizon. A storm that you didn't ask for, a storm that you didn't plan for. I remember several years ago, I'd gone fishing on Good Friday, and we went out uh, in kind of in the Gulf of Mexico, in a lake kind of that was um, subject to the Gulf of Mexico. And as we were out on that lake, it was a beautiful sunny day, and we were out uh, fishing for Socolay, which is milkfish, which is crappie, for those of you in East Tennessee. I grew up calling it crappie, but down there it's Socolay. Uh, in Louisiana, and so uh, I was fishing for for Socolay, and we caught all oh, we caught a whole bunch of fish. And we were as we were going along, we went out in kind of the the first area of the little Gulf there. And lo and behold, in the distance, we could see these purpl- these beautiful purple clouds, like they were awesome, until they got upon us. And suddenly, out of nowhere, this beautiful, sunshiny, breezy, nice, wonderful, comfortable day. There was a squall on the horizon, one that we had not seen when we looked at the forecast before we went out into the gulf, one that we could not have anticipated, but nevertheless one that showed up and reared its ugly head. Isn't that the way sometimes life presents it? You don't always get to know the foreknowledge of things that are to come. You don't always get to know what's lurking around the corner just at the next bend but yet it shows itself, and you and I have to deal with it. Now some of us choose to deal with it by putting a smile on our face and pretending like it's going to go away. And we have like this permanent fixture of a smile. Even when we're having a horrific day, we're going to smile about it because we believe that if we smile, we can convince a a number of people that really everything's okay and all's right with the world but on the inside we're falling apart even though we have this perfect plastic smile on our faces some will choose to do that others will choose you know what i've got problems i'm just going to drink my problems away and i'm not going to look for a show of volunteers those of you have ever drunk your problems away but i would dare say that there's quite a number of people in this room that have done that very thing or you've taken some other form of drug Uh, you ladies you may have sat down with with, uh, with bluebell ice cream a whole tub of it and ate it all it doesn't really matter what your drug of choice is now I will say this some drugs have more reaching effects than others bluebell not so much as some other drugs that we could talk about but make, make no mistake when you and I have storms and we want to cope we grab whatever makes us feel comfortable for some people that's bluebell for me it would be moose tracks or going shopping uh, and for others of you it might be drinking or anything else the thing about drinking is it's too expensive for me to do that because then I would be sick because I didn't have any money to spend. So anyway, that's just a whole nother story for another day. But when these storms come up, we have a way of coping with them. And the ways that you and I often cope with the storms of our lives are not the ways that God intended for us to cope with them. Storms are going to come. They're a part of our atmosphere. They're a part of our environment. As long as you are breathing, as long as you are interacting with other people, as long as you are in this country paying your taxes, there are going to be storms. And you're not always going to be able to see them on the horizon, but they are going to come. And when they come, it's important for us to follow Mark chapter 4. Because when the storm came up, when that squall came up out there on the the lake, and Jesus, as the Bible says, was comfortably down below, laying on a cushion, asleep, the disciples were frantically running around. Who did they go to? They went to Jesus. Why did they go to Jesus? Because they knew that this Jesus, this one, they knew that he could do something about it. They had seen Jesus' ministry and how Jesus worked They had seen the kind of things that he could do. They had heard about him. He had called them from the life where they were into a life in service to him. And so they were on this boat. They had dismissed the crowds after a lengthy day. And they were out and this storm comes up. Jesus is asleep because he's tired. Ministers often get tired. And then the disciples, the little deacons, were on the boat. And they were frantic because there was a storm. And they hadn't planned for it. And they didn't know how to anticipate it. And they didn't know how to deal with it. But what they did, ladies and gentlemen, is they brought the storm to Jesus. They brought their issue to Jesus. If you and I are going to cope with the storms, if you and I are going to deal with the storms in our lives, we have to be able to address them and bring them to Jesus. Now, it's not that we're informing Jesus of what they are. He knows what they are. The disciples were afraid because of the intensity and the ferociousness of the storm. They went to Jesus to see if he could do something. Ladies and gentlemen, when you go to Jesus, he is going to do something in Your life. You will never, listen to me, you will never have an encounter with the risen Christ that it does not leave you different than before you experienced him. When you and I go to Jesus, we are going to leave a changed, transformed individual. We may not have all the answers, but we know the answer. We know. Who is in charge? And so they go to Jesus. They went to Jesus to see if they could do something. They were afraid that they were going to drown. They were afraid they were going to die. But if you and I want to address the storms and bring them to Jesus, you and I have to first acknowledge that there's a storm in our lives. We can't go around with this plastic smile pretending like there's nothing going on when there actually something going on. And we can't expect God to do something in our lives unless we acknowledge it before him we have to be willing to go to god and say god this is what's going on i know that you probably have seen it i know that you probably know far more about this than i do but god i want to come to you today and i just want to say i want you to take this storm i want you to help me in this storm i want you And we will often pray this, I want you to take this storm away. But I want you to notice, Jesus doesn't necessarily take the storm away immediately. But Jesus is there with them in the midst of the storm. And then, after the acknowledgement that there's a storm, after they go to him in need, that is when Jesus says, peace, be still, quiet, be still. And the winds hush all at the command of Jesus. Jesus was in the midst of... Of the storm when the disciples came to him. Now Jesus' disposition and the disciples' disposition are radically different. Jesus is asleep. Storms don't bother Jesus because Jesus can command the storm. Storms bother us because we have no control over them. So if we acknowledge that we don't have any control over the storms in our lives. We would be smart to go to the person or go to the individual who does have control of the storms, who can see all things, who can experience all things, who has all the answers, and who can work our storm out and bring the peace and the calm to our lives that we need. The other thing I would say about this is that storms happen. They just happen. Uh, you know, I remember when 10 years ago, this August, Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, and, and that's where I was at the time. And I remember a lot of the preachers in the southeast, um, and uh, I'm not going to name any of their names, but they're prominent speakers here in the southeast. And they would say that, that the Hurricane Katrina was God's judgment, the storm was God's judgment on sinners in New Orleans. Um, and, you know, they use this, you know, you know they talk about Katrina means purify. And so God sent Hurricane Katrina to purify the French Quarter. Interesting thing about that, don't know if any of you were in the French Quarter uh, after the storm. I was. I went to the French Quarter quarter, uh, six days after the storm. And you know what was amazing? The bars were open. Yeah. Uh, There was no water damage to that area there uh, on Bourbon Street. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was virtually untouched. So, I just want to say to all those preachers that preached that garbage, that it was uh, God's judgment on the sin of the world, uh, the people that preached that garbage would take an understanding that if God actually did send the storm to purify Bourbon Street, he missed. I mean, I'll go far as even to give you this visual. There's a little window there where there's this, these little legs of a woman. And they come out of the window, they had that puppy on a generator, okay? That thing never stopped working. <laughs> now, here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. All the businesses in downtown New Orleans, all the churches in downtown New Orleans, they were closed. Nobody was there. But buddy, that bar was there. And I was thirsty, so I went and get me an ice water. Sure did. Sure did. Sure did storms happen. Do not think that your storm is necessarily a result of your sin. Now I'm not always going to tell you that sometimes our sin doesn't create storms in our lives because it can. But do not buy into the lie that many will tell you that if you're experiencing a storm in your life, it's a direct result of the sin that you've been living or that you've been embodying. That is just simply not necessarily true. Storms happen. God loves you. God is not, listen, God is not someone sitting up there and saying, oh, he made a wrong decision. Zap! Oh, she said a bad word. Zap! No, God does not do that. God is not like what we would envision God to be if we were there. God is radically Different than that. God is not looking for you to mess up so that he can expose you for who you are. God is seeking you to seek him. So that you can acknowledge the storm and turn your life over to him. Because here's what he knows. He can lead your life a lot better than what you or I can. God doesn't send storms because you sin. God doesn't hate you as a sinner. God loves you as a sinner. Because here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. If God hates us as sinners, why in the world are we here? I mean, I know you've got that plastic face on, and you say, I don't have any sin. Well, well, you know, actually turn to your neighbor. Turn to your neighbor in this moment and say, You are a sinner. Okay? And, and that neighbor that you just spoke to, that neighbor that you just spoke to, you need to look at them again and say, you sin oh so well. We all have problems. We all have storms. God doesn't hate the sinner. God loves the sinner. But God loves you so much that He's not going to leave you alone. He wants to transform your life. God did not come for the righteous. Jesus came for the lost so that the lost could be reconciled to him. God came for sinners like you and me because God understands that sin is fun. God understands that sin is a problem. And because sin is fun, that's why we have such a problem with it. God came to redeem our issue, to redeem our situation. God came to speak peace into our lives. Do not buy into the circulating lie of Christianity that storms a result of what you have done. Don't buy into the lie that you are a product of what you have done. Some of you are not the products of what you have done. Some of you are the products of what has been done to you. What defines you in this moment? If you say anything, if anything comes into your mind other than I'm defined by... The gospel of Christ, this invitation today is for you. I don't want you to be defined by your abuse. I don't want you to be defined by your choices. I don't want you to be defined by your bad attitude. I don't want you to be defined by your storm. I want you to be defined by Christ and Christ alone. Because he alone is all that matters. You may come here today and we may never see you. This is the one shot that I get, the one fishing line that I can throw out to you today. I want you to know there is nothing that you are ever going to be able to do. It's not about having your ducks in a row. It's not about you looking good, looking apart, making sure that your T is crossed and your I is dotted. It's a matter of coming to Jesus and allow Jesus to having you just the way you are with storms and chaos and misery and frustration and happiness and a plastic smile and a hollow heart and a need that needs to be filled. Jesus wants you. Jesus wants you. And he doesn't want you so that he can put you in front of a dartboard and throw darts at you and say, how pitiful you are, how pathetic you are, how nerve-wracking you are. He wants you to come. He wants you to come at the altar. And then after you come to the altar, he's going to invite you to sit with him in the kingdom. I know it goes against every fiber of our being. It goes against our relationships and what we've experienced in this life. But God actually does love us despite who we are. God is not finished with us. But if you're here today and you think, I do have a storm. I believe that God cares, but I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to to work in my storm by myself. And when I kind of get a grapple on it, then I'll go to God. Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. You and I will never have the grapple on the storms that face our lives. The storms will always have a grapple on us. That's why they're storms. Who are we? To command the storms, who are we to speak to the storms? We can't do anything about the chaos of our lives except create more chaos. But the God who was in the heart of that storm, the God that was in the heart of that boat, the God who was asleep when the squall came up, is the same God that's there with the disciples and the same God that's there with you and the same God that's there with me. And the reality is this, that only Jesus Christ can give the peace that you and I and the rest of the world so desperately needs. Jesus rebukes the wind. It speaks to the waves. Peace. Be still. Now I know on this Easter Sunday, some of you got up and you took a bath. Praise God. And so you took a bath and you got ready. Some of you went shopping either the last couple of weeks and you got a new tire, or a new outfit or a new a skirt or a new dress and you even, you've even got clean underwear on today. I am just praise God for that. But I want you to know this. You can decorate this you can buy things for this, you can make this look good, you can buy a, a expensive perfume cheaply and, and, and think that you've got a ticket to the kingdom. It doesn't matter how good you think you smell, it doesn't matter how, how good a perfume you put on, cologne you put on, deodorant you put on, whether you put it on or you don't put it on, what kind of clothes, what kind of brand, it does not matter. Because this, what you do to this, is never going to get at the heart of this. God doesn't care about this. God cares about this. This is what's in the storm. This is what's in the storm. This is what is raging in our minds. This is what's raging in our lives. This is what needs to have peace. Some of you, some of you, there's been a battle going on for a season. And it doesn't seem like this season's ever going to change. It's gut-wrenching. You've got internal pain that that just won't stop. It's the kind of of pain, the the God cry pain. God, when is this ever going to end? It's going to end when you come to Him. When you seek Him. When you acknowledge Him. And when you let go of the storm that you've been trying to manage. God wants you. He wants to address your life. He wants to address your situation. He doesn't want to leave you the way you are. He wants to transform you. And when you come to this altar today. In our invitation. And when we sing in Christ alone. And when that song becomes personal to you. And you sing it with all truthfulness of your heart. That it's in Christ alone that you stand. Nothing else you're going to stand on. No other uh, accolade. No other circumstance. But you're going to stand on him alone. That this is what I want you to know. When you stand with him alone. You stand with the majority of the universe. He who created it all. It takes one and God to make a majority. Are you going to be in the majority? Are you going to continue to suffer in your minority storm? I know, I know. You didn't ask for your. You didn't ask for your storm. You didn't ask for your problems. Here's the thing: is no one that comes to my office to talk about their problems ever comes to me and says, "I asked for this." Nobody ever does that. They are there. We don't have to worry about where they originated from. We just need to understand that they're there. And they're real. And they're raging havoc in our lives. And the Jesus Christ that we celebrate, the power of his resurrection, is here for you today. And he wants you to come. Not so that he can judge you, because he loves you. He wants you to come. And he just wants to say these three words, peace, be, still. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this day and our time today to, to just to focus on you. We pray in this invitation as we come and as we sing in Christ alone. That God, that we will respond to you. That you will usher in the peace that we so desperately need. God, I thank you for every person that's come today. For every need that's been brought to this place. Father, I pray that the baggage that we brought here today, that you would help us to leave it at the altar, that we won't take it back up take it back up when we leave and, and go back home with it or take it to our workplace or wherever it is we might go this afternoon. But God, that we would leave it here. God, find us faithful in these moments of invitation. May we respond. Lord, as we saw baptisms in the beginning, people's lives changed, transformed, radically moved. And so, God, we pray in this moment, in this time, that we might be radically moved by you. Not an emotional response, not an intellectual assent, but a real and authentic transformation that happens in the heart of someone who says, I want the peace that the pastor's talking about. I want the peace of Jesus. I want my storm Calmed. I want him to be there in the midst of my problem. If that's your prayer today, we want to invite you to come. We want to invite you to come to this altar to be prayed for. So as you seek the face of God at these steps, that he can meet you where you are. You don't have to look pretty. You don't have to smell nice. He just wants you because he wants to change your life. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing. Again, if you're here this morning you need to make a decision, maybe to trust in Christ, recommit yourself to Him, maybe to join the Fellowship of First Baptist Church, however He's leading you and guiding you, you be faithful and may the words that you sing come not merely from your voice, but from your heart that's been changed. once you come?